It's 90% psychology. Sets and reps, calories and protein. I mean, obviously you've been recovering that, but that's such a small part of what really moves the needle in people. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. I'm your host, as always, Ben Brown, owner of BSL Nutrition, where we help you change the belief system around what it means to be healthy because we believe your health determines your freedom. And in today's podcast, I am chatting with Brian Cron. Brian is a highly respected personal trainer, fitness writer, blogger, an online physique coach who specializes in helping make ordinary bodies look extraordinary. He's written hundreds of articles for prominent fitness publications, including Men's Health, Ask Men, Muscle and Fitness, and Bodybuilding.com, and is the author of Men's Health, Muscle After 40. In this episode, we talk about the psychology of behavior change, particularly as it pertains to building muscle and losing body fat as we age. We delve into some of the biggest misconceptions around training after 40. We talk about the importance of infusing fitness and nutrition into our busy lifestyles and how to structure training programs for optimal results and much more. So if you're a man in your 30s, 40s, 50s or beyond, and you're ready to ditch the dad bod and get jacked instead, then this episode is for you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Brian Cron. Brian Cron, welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. What's good, brother? What's good? Uh, the weather's good. Life is good. So hey, this man. is like your one day a year of, of nice weather? <laughs> no, man. We get to, Canada has nice summers. That's, that's why people stay here. Well, listen, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation and appreciate you taking the time to come on. Um, I would love, Brian, for our listeners who don't know who you are, um, maybe just a, a quick background of who you are and what you do. Who am I and what do I do? Well, I'm, uh, I started off in the fitness industry in 90, I say 97 in my bio, but it's actually 94. When I was in uh, university, I worked part-time just checking in memberships, mopping the floor. And then while I was going to university, I started training people part-time for extra money. And um, when I graduated, I promptly went into training full-time. What was it about oh. training or, or fitness that was that moved you in that direction? You know, I'm a child of the 80s. Right. So I was always into like action heroes and Arnold yeah. and Sly and uh, wanted to look like them. And it was always just a hobby of mine. It, eventually, it just, I just, it's just something that I've always thought about. Like, I've always been in, at, like, I didn't play sports at a very high level, I played hockey times, but maybe 16 or 17. And, and then working out definitely filled the void after I quit that. And then it just, it's always been a huge part of my life. And uh, when I was training people, I, it was always, I saw it as a part time gig. But even when I was like studying for exams, it was very much, uh, it was very much a, a high, a high volume part time job for a university kid. So yeah, long story short, after I graduated, I went into training full-time. Then what did I do? I spent a little bit of time in the supplement industry for a couple of years and uh, realized I missed training and coaching and transitioned to online coaching. So it's frick. It's been a long time. 
um, you know, you didn't study fitness and, and nutrition. What did you, what did you study through university? No, I studied psychology. Okay. And then eventually, well, then I went back and I, and I got a second degree in English. Um, I didn't want to be a psychologist. I wanted to be a, a counselor and it, it's a lot of co- how coalesces with coaching and training. Yeah. Very and much. I just, and I was doing some writing on the side and, and, um, you know, freelancing for magazines and, it was very kind of a, a, a muddled career that I developed. Like I was just always doing these little things in the industry without a, without a lot of direction, but I was earning a living and I was staying engaged until finally I just kind of figured out that I want to, I don't want to train people in a gym, right? Uh, but I want to work with them and I want to work with on the things that I think that really matter outside of just the programming. And I, and so kind of everything went full circle and I find I'm using a lot of the stuff that I learned <laughs> Uh, in psychology class, uh, what, 25 years ago, Yeah, I, I'm using that as much as I do all the programming stuff that I know. Funny how that works. It's, it's crazy, yeah. right? Like the longer you're in this business, the more you realize it's not about all of the no. science that we learn right through the process. Oh no, it's, um, God, it's, it's, it's 90% psychology. I would yeah. say sets and reps. I mean, that's where, and the calories and protein, I mean, obviously that's, <laughs> you've been recovering that, but right. that's such a small part of what really moves the needle in people. Right. You know, and I find the industry really likes to focus on that stuff. They like to focus on the minutia and, but it's really just the very dry, basic things that lead to really good change. And that's like stuff like how you structure your day, uh, yeah. how you respond, how you respond to cravings, um, like how you weave fitness into your life. Do you see it as like a, something you have to do or something that you want to do and, and just, you know, a lot of really kind of mundane things like that, but that's the key, especially if you're getting into it a little bit later in life. Right. Like, again, going back to myself, I was always working out. I mean, I've never had to try to fit it into my life, you know? Um, but for someone who's, you know, fell out of it or they just never been really into it um, all of a sudden putting healthy eating and training into their life. It's, you know, it'd be like me trying to suddenly learn uh, like tax codes or something. Yeah. Um, you know, it'd take a lot of effort and it would take a lot of just uh, like stopping and starting, stopping and starting. And, right. And I think that's where this industry fails people a lot is they're just, it's full of guys like me who are like living and probably you who live and breathe this stuff. Right. Um, and the people we're trying to help, it's just not, it's not their world. Yeah. You know, they're, they're engineers, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're whatever, bricklayers, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, and that's part of why I wanted to have this conversation with you is because you've obviously been doing this a long time, as have I, and, and it's very clearly so nuanced um, mm-hmm. to the degree that so much of this, like you said, is about the psychology of behavior change and not about the X's and O's of calories and macros and, and, and protein and sets and reps. And while that is important, it's it's just not uh, as important as figuring out how to help people actually infuse the change that they're looking for into their life, mm-hmm. into their busy schedules, and and how to f- help them make it a priority for themselves when it's just not ever necessarily going to be as big of a priority as it's been for you or me. Just in terms of like the trajectory of your career, because I know you you've been a writer for a long time, but was mm-hmm. there a, a point in your in your career, like you said, you were dabbling in a lot of things and maybe had your hands in a lot of different areas, but was there like a point in your career where you 
we're like, okay, I'm hundred percent all in on, on coaching. And perhaps previously it had been like, well, it's kind of, it's what I like to do, but it may not be necessarily my main thing. Yeah. And that's, and that's a good question because kind of funny, if I sounded kind of awkward when I was describing my entry into this world is because I always saw personal training as a part-time job and I've had a lot of part-time jobs. I worked in bars. I've done all kinds of shit. Um, but it was always one that I, that I maintained, uh, when I was in the supplement business, I still train people, you know, it was just something that I did for extra money. And so then when all of a sudden, when that was like the dominant source of income for me and just, um, the dominant source of my attention and my my passion or whatever, I decided, okay, well, I'm going to maybe go all in on this. But at the same time, my wife was um, in school and she had to leave the country to study in the U.S. So, and I went with her and all of a sudden I'm in the, I'm in the States. I can't, I can't work. I mean, I could train people illegally under the table, right. but didn't really want to do that. So that kind of got me writing a lot more. Um, so I started doing some fitness writing and that was around the time, this is about 15 years ago, um, that online coaching was much more of a, was starting to be more of a thing, I would say. Yeah. And I'd been hiring online coaches then and getting guys like, um, Eric Ladine and, and, you know, getting programs on PDFs and stuff like that. And right. or just actually, no, it's always Excel box. And so I decided, you know what, I can do this because I liked it because it's so much more writing and it was so much more getting into people's lives and stuff. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll, I'll chase this more. And that, and I haven't looked back since it, yeah. uh, it grew really quickly and I still do a little bit of writing because I enjoy it, but yeah, now I'm definitely, <laughs> I think I'm doing this for good. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you can agree. There's not a lot of people that genuinely make, you know, like health and fitness or coaching and fitness coaching, if you will, their career. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of a fickle industry. And, and so I, I guess I, my observation, at least with myself, is that when you've been doing it long enough, there there really does become a pivotal point where you kind of have to be like shit or get off the pot. And you're like, okay, yeah. I, am I in this or am I in it? And and you know, making that yeah. commitment. So now, obviously, this is your career. This obviously is your passion. You're obviously very good at what you do. And by the way, like you know, your, your writing's fantastic. And so it seems like you've leveraged your your writing skills to really be able to offer yeah. value to people, probably promote your business well. Who is it that you serve at this juncture in your career? Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, I know as, you, as you're well aware, we're always told by gurus in our field or in business, like you got to narrow down to your target client. You know, you got to narrow right gotta down. Niche you got to niche down, baby. You got to yep. age, occupation, blah, blah, blah. And, and I've done that. Um, so I guess... To, to do the exercise, I, my population would be me, be guys in their late forties, maybe is not as into fitness as me, or maybe as into fitness as me, but they just want someone else to do the shit for them, do the thinking for them. But my bread and butter, so to speak, would be that guys, men in their forties and fifties, but I've got clients in their twenties. I've got probably 30% of my clients are women. Yeah. Um, Cause really it's not that much different, especially considering the things that really matter time management and impulse control and, you know, all the stuff that's, you know, frankly, it's boring to talk about and doesn't involve sets and reps, but that's the stuff where get that under your belt. The training part is that's just putting in time. You know, let's dive into that a little bit because I think it's really relevant. You know, when we, Mm -hmm. when we scroll and, and, you know, we look at marketing and we kind of get convinced Mm -hmm. that, 
the way that we train and eat in our 20s and 30s is different than the way that we should train and eat in our 40s, 50s, and 60s. Yeah. And you know that's kind of BS. So if we're working with men and, and women over mm. 40, or specifically men over 40, is there really a difference in terms of how we would train? And if so, what would we do differently? The whole over 40 channel, it's a, it's a lot of bullshit, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Um, for the one thing, just on its face, oh, fitness for people over 40, like it's, it's absurd. We know people, I've got clients, I'm sure you know people who are 45 years old and they've been training at a high level since they're 15. They're yeah. jacked, they're strong. Maybe they're a little beat up, but they're I'm raising, I'm raising my hand right oh, yeah, here. I know you are too. Oh yeah, I can't, I can't. I'm, <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Do my fucking shoulder. Um, and they're 40 year olds who haven't done anything since grade 10 playing dodgeball. So are you going to try to tell me that a fitness program that'll work for Mr. Jacked is going to work for Mr. Dodgeball? Like it just, it's absurd. It can't, you know, there, there are a handful of things that can apply, but no. So I find that on its face, the whole category is kind of silly that way. You know, but having said that, there are some things that are consistent with everybody at that age, whether you're, whether you're Mr. Jacked or Mr. Dodgeball, like you're, your recoverability is down and depending on how, what you're used to recovering at, it can be quite noticeable, you know, things like reaction time and stuff that most people probably wouldn't even notice. Like all of that right. is decreased. The biggest thing is, is just these bounce backs from, from injuries. They just take longer and longer and longer. And that's where I find the industry kind of focuses on. So they treat everybody like, all right, you know, shit's all going downhill now. So we're going to train really, really soft and, right. you know, lots of functional stuff, lots of bands and, and and I just think that's the wrong approach. I think to be effective in this space, you have to, first of all, individualize to that particular 40-year-old. You know, in other words, get to know Mr. Dodgeball, get to know Mr. Jacked, you know, find out what they actually need, where their limitations are. And then you have to look at the things that aren't as talked about, that are very consistent with that demographic. And I, no one talks about this. And it's stuff like people, this is the age where people are so fucking busy. Yeah. Okay. They're time stretched. And not only are they busy, I mean, oh, I know everyone's busy. I know 20 year olds work, working at Starbucks and going to university and having part time jobs. They're probably very busy too. But it's a different kind of busy, especially when you have kids, because you just don't make, you don't prioritize in your mind quite the same way. So once you have children, all of a sudden they're number one. And even if their issue is pretty trivial, <laughs> you know, you'll make it number one. Yeah. And it's just, a, it's like a reaction of people in their 40s and, or whenever they have children, is that all of a sudden they're just, we put ourselves second or third or fifth, whatever it is. So you have to kind of, you can't break that down because that's, a, that's just an evolutionary fact, but you have to kind of accept that and put that into the programming. So, or the approach to programming. So like what I do is I, I really try to figure out somebody's lifestyle and you know, how long their commute is, are they working out at home? Do they have, or do they have little stuff? Do they have a home gym or do they have an office gym or, just how much time do they have? Like how old are their kids? Like, like, are there, are they, you know, are they shuttling your kids over to hockey and then to soccer and all this stuff? Right. Or do they have a little bit more time? And then even if it's, if you can, I like to find out like where, what station are they at in life? Are they, are they the, at the sandwich age when you got little kids and you got aging parents and you literally, you never think about your own stuff. And that's also the age when all of a sudden every night is wine 30, if you get my thing, you know, and you start yeah. having all yeah. these, these, Coping things like stress is at an all time high. So, when I try to program around that, I try to make the programming as least stressful as possible, not from an exercise sense. I mean, not that. I mean, from a logistical sense, like 
Monday isn't chess day. Like, like that just doesn't work because what happens if it's Monday morning and you know your your kid is sick and okay, I can't go to the gym. If you guys if you're following some bullshit bodybuilder routine where like, oh, I'm not doing chest again until next Monday now, like you know, it's just it's it's absurd to even talk about. So you have to program in a way that the bases get covered, even if the plan can't be stuck to it, it perfectly. And there's got to be flexibility inside so people can call audibles. Like I have programs for people who have a little home gym and yeah. they go to an actual commercial gym. So I'm like, okay, it's your A workout or your B workout. And you, depending on your day, you pick one or the other. And of course, you can't be random because random doesn't build muscle. Random is just entertainment. But you have to have sort of a controlled, like I call it a program variety. Yeah. So you can still have systems in place where people chase progression, but they're not, you know, they're not stuck into the system where their whole life has to revolve around their training because it, that's what burns people out. People taking a programming approach for a 25 year old who doesn't have dick all going on in their life, try to give it to somebody who's got a business and little kids and stuff. And it's just too complex. Like just the, Oh, I got to do this at this time. And then do this at that time. They don't do it because other things are priority. And they get frustrated and they quit. Yeah. So that's, that's where the real challenges into this category. And it's not, oh, because I'm 45 years old, I gotta, I can't fucking squat to parallel anymore. It's like, that's so like, low on the priority list. What's really interesting about what you're saying is it, it, there's really no differentiation. At least what I'm hearing is there, there's really no differentiation around age. Well, there is. I mean, there is. There definitely is. That's the other thing. <laughs> Anyone who says, oh, age is just a number. I'm just like, okay, well, you're probably under 30 if you're saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, or you, or you've never, or not to be, not to be a dick, but Hey, you know, or you've never been physically anything worth noting because, you know, well, tell, tell that to Arnold. Hey, Arnold, you yeah. know, age is just a number, you know, he was Mr. Olympia and now he looks like 70 year old man. There's going to need to be more recovery time. Perhaps there's more yeah. joint specific yeah. stuff that we need to be cognizant of, but primarily is, is really just this lifestyle stress management yeah prioritization factor at play here is we don't have to treat second you turn 40. It's not like you're a completely no. different human entity. It's like, I know plenty of 20 something year olds with plenty of joint limitations from mm -hmm. which we need to be cognizant of. And, and so I think that irrespective of the X's and O's of, mm -hmm. of programming and, mm -hmm. and nutrition, the biggest differentiation that I'm hearing from you is, is really just, again, the nuances of how do we help our clients implement these into their lifestyle in a way that they can mm -hmm. actually be consistent with, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like there are some, like the biggest thing you can do is um, people can't work through pain. And I hear this all the time. It's like always people 20s and 30s. Oh, you know, I was doing hammer curls. My elbow started to hurt, but you know, I, I, I did a few extra sets and I got the blood in there. I got a pump and it went away and it's right. like, buddy, that, and yeah, I, I was that guy for many years and I got, I got tennis golfer's elbow. I got a tendonitis and both of my <laughs> yeah. elbows would, would agree with yeah. you. Exactly. I mean, so there's basic things like that. Like, so someone, if you're, as you're into middle age, you can't work through pain. There's no reason to work through pain. Now pain is not fatigue or a burn, you know, or, or, you know what I mean? We're yeah, pain, right. you know, that's, you know, and yeah, like there's, there's other things like, you definitely don't want to be training as heavy, but I'm not saying you should be doing tons of reps either because that's counterproductive. You're certainly, you're actually going to fatigue yourself even further chasing volume over intensity. 
the expression I use is that everything is connected. The older you get, the more you realize that everything is connected. And when you're young, you can compartmentalize. You can go out and get blasted at the bar and, you know, get to bed at 3 a.m., wake up at 8, go meet your buddy at 10 and squat a PR. Easy, easy. I've done it myself, you know. And to think of that when you're in your 50s, to think of doing that is absolutely, it's laughable. You know, yeah. so what, yeah. what, change, what changes? Well, obviously life has changed. You probably don't have that kind of schedule anymore, but the, your body has also changed. So you got to kind of respect recovery that way because I think the whole process, it's, it's a way of traveling, okay? And, and some people never really accept where they are at their station in life. And it's just like, you know, I'm at this stage, I'm in my, my 40s and I'm in my 50s. Now, all of a sudden, I, you know, I can't be stupid. I can't neglect my body, you know, neglect my cardio, neglect my mobility. I have to do a little bit of everything, but I'm also pressed for time. So how do I fit everything in? That's where it really gets challenging. But age is like, it's not a journey. It's, it's you know, it's, an, it's a, quite honestly, it's like an evolution. Yeah. And, and so much of, of this is helping individuals really infuse the ways in which that are going to work best for them so that again, they can be as consistent yeah. as possible. And, you know, I know we've touched on a number of things. Are there any other not so obvious yeah. obstacles that yeah. you see uh, that consistently get in the way of client yeah. success? No, like the biggest thing is when I get somebody, the first thing I do is I get a, I get a, an idea of their lifestyle, how they structure their day, you know, how they yeah. mitigate stress, you know, again, what their commute is like, what their family life is kind of like, how much time do they have? And then I try to figure out very quickly what the holes are in their game. Okay. Cause the, whatever the hole is in your game, that's what's going to bring you down. You know, we all joke about when we're in our twenties, Hey, you know, Hey, but when do you do cardio? I don't do freaking cardio, you know, and I'm still jacked. Yeah. But in later years, if you're that guy, you probably will get taken out by something related to the cardiovascular incident. Yeah. So, and if you're that guy, Oh, I never stretch. I never stretch. I never do mobility. Well, you're probably going to be that guy one day he's gonna have a barbell on your back and because you never do mobility and you're gonna blow out your lower back you know or you're gonna be you're gonna tear a pack you're gonna have some type of, of event like that that takes a month to bounce back from when you're 20 but when you're 50 basically it ends your training yeah like you just don't come back the same so you have the, what i try to find out right away is what is somebody's hole like and of course the biggest one blood pressure resting heart rate like these other these other big holes like that's kind of obvious but like these are the things you attack first like if someone's got high blood pressure and their goal is i don't know i want to get really really big arms it's like dude you're carrying too much fat you have high blood pressure let's work on this we're going to be doing a lot of cardio doing a little bit of yeah we can throw in some guns on your on your on a couple weight training days but you're gonna be spending a lot of time getting your heart rate up into that into the right zone so that's what i where i try to focus on first what's is what's someone's number one hole and sometimes it's their goal too and then that's great you know sometimes people know that you know i'm too heavy my blood pressure is too high i want to bring that down great we're on the same page but sometimes i get someone <laughs> who's just completely oblivious to the things that are that are potentially going to take them down for good and they want to work on something else and then you have to have a different conversation it, those are potentially tough conversations because yeah. i imagine for a lot of the guys that you work with, the impetus is like, Hey, I'm coming in screaming. I want to, I want to 
lose some body fat. I want to get strong. Mm -hmm. I want to get lean. Tell me how to do it. I'll do whatever you say type of deal. And sometimes it's taking a step back before you step forward. To be honest though, that it's a, that's a pretty rare incident. Most of the time, especially as someone gets older, they're a little bit more, you know, I've been told I got to get my blood pressure down. Mm. You know, I've been told I got to lose weight or, or I got to lose weight. And I agree fully. Um, It's pretty rare that I, that's more when, like when I work with someone who's competitive, I still do a little bit of that. That's always like, Oh, I want to do another contest or I want to diet for this next photo shoot or something. And then that can be and often it's not in their best interest. And then I might have to have a conversation that way. I just had one of those today, actually. But those are always typically people who are in their eh, maybe 30s. Once you're 40, 50, it's much more kind of develop, you know, appreciation of, of how finite this life is and that, you know what, I can't just be this idiot who, you know, who just does what I want and neglects the things that I actually need to do. Long story short, I don't have to have that conversation. Yeah, that yeah, often. yeah. Yeah. It's a perhaps a recognition of, how the priorities yeah. have shifted around. Listen, yeah. family, I yeah. want to be around a long time. I, I yeah. understand now the value of, of my health yeah. and sure, maybe there's a little bit of ego underlying it, but really it's not the main impetus for me wanting to do this anymore. Like it perhaps was 10 or 15 years ago. It's like, listen, I just need yeah. to take responsibility and ownership yeah. and which case. Yeah. But the good news is, is that a lot of these things are congruent. You know, as opposed to when, when I work with bodybuilders, a lot of it is uh, health and bodybuilding. They don't really coalesce. They do in the, in the early stages, but after they very much take, take a divergent path. But just the basics, though, of improving your body composition and, and health are very closely aligned. If you knock 40 pounds of fat off somebody, they're gonna, you're going to improve their blood, their, their lipid panel. You're, basically, all their health markers are going to improve, um, and they're going to look better. So there's a lot of overlap there that does help. You know, occasionally things start to go sideways, but that's usually when you start to push into the margins of the goal. Like someone has a really high level goal. Hey friends, quick pause in this episode for an exciting announcement. I'm thrilled to let you know that we've officially partnered with Fullscript to create our own very high-end quality supplement store. Fullscript is the number one online dispensary for professional grade supplements. And while we do have our own small retail shop for our complete essentials training formula, we're often asked for recommendations when it comes to products outside of those that we carry. Now, as you probably have realized, the internet is the wild west when it comes to supplements, and it's tough to find many of the best products from a reliable source and at an affordable price. I've heard many stories of people ordering something off Amazon and receive something completely different in the bottle, which can actually be quite dangerous when it comes to nutritional supplements. And so in the BSL Nutrition Full Script Dispensary, we've hand-selected a few dozen of our personal favorites, and we've broken them into easily searchable categories, including Ben's favorites. Now, the best part of this situation is that due to the buying power of groups, we're able to get you a 15% off retail pricing on the entire catalog of professional products in our shop. These are brands like Designs for Health, Biotics, Research, Biobotanical Research, Microbiome Labs, Seeking Health, and more. So just click on the Join BSL Nutrition Supplement Shop in the show notes to create your free account and place your first order. Orders over $50 receive free shipping on top of our 15% discount on everything. And just so you know, The criteria we use to determine what went into the shop is, is the product something we would recommend and or take ourselves and give to our kids? 
Is the product of the highest quality? And can we provide a lower cost than is available anywhere else on the web? Now, we sincerely hope this helps you save money and acquire the highest quality products for you and your family. And let's get back to the show. What are some of the strategies? Because we obviously talked a little bit about training, but I think you know we obviously can agree that nutrition plays a fundamental role in this process. Mm-hmm. Um, so similarly, is is what are some nutrition strategies that you employ outside mm-hmm. of the obvious, right? Like we talked about managing calories and macronutrients, but mm-hmm. within the context of like these busy lifestyles, mm-hmm. um, what do you find to be most effective? Uh, regarding, you know, nutrition and sustainability for, you know, long-term fat loss? Yeah, that's, it's another industry pendulum. You know, right now it's very much swung to the side of, it doesn't really matter what you eat. It's protein and calories, you know, calories are where they need to be and proteins where it needs to be to build muscle. You're going to get a result. That's all you got to focus on. And from a body composition standpoint, that's true, you know, especially in the early stages. Yeah. If you manage calories, you know, keep them around, you know, below maintenance and proteins high enough, the person will, they'll lose weight and much of it body fat, I should say. Um, and if they're strength training, probably almost all of the body fat. I find that's a very narrow view of nutrition because food is pleasure and food is, is also it's nutrition. And there's much more to your, to your health than just your body composition. All it's a really, really big part. You know, and I think there's a lot of hubris in our industry of, of like, Oh, he's losing weight and building muscle. Therefore he's healthy. And therefore the diet is healthy. The other side of that is people getting all into whether it's, Oh, seed oils are bad or, you know, you know, all this shit at the end of the day, what calories are king for body composition. Absolutely. But I just try to look at, can you follow this diet in your normal life? That's like the biggest thing. And normal life includes like your family life. Can you hit these basic calorie numbers, protein numbers while still having a family, going out on the weekend, you know, do you have the mental strength? Like, can you go out and indulge a little bit and then back off a couple, a little bit the next couple of days, as opposed to someone who goes out on a Thursday and has eats too much. And then they're like, screw it. I'm done with dieting until Monday. It's such a bad place to be. Like you want to, I try to get people into a mindset of this is how I eat, you know, these, you know, good, healthy foods. And no one needs a list of what healthy foods are. I think we all can figure that out you know, right amount of calories, right amount of protein, and how consistent can I be? Especially, you know, if I'm traveling or if I'm really busy at work, can I navigate things that way? Like, it's not what you eat in three days, it's what you eat in 30 days. So I I look at every, always look at everything from like a month perspective. So really just reframing that perspective around perhaps the need to be overly restrictive in the short term. And instead is like, how do we infuse this into the day to day? Like, so that I can enjoy myself with the family so that I can travel so that, you know, I could have flexibility exactly. and freedom. Right. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the ruin vacations quite literally, they will ruin vacations yeah. because it's stressing about food and I and no disrespect. Like I, I've been that person in my OCD days. Whereas if they, they put in three months before that, a pretty good eating, you know, no one's perfect every day. And if they can look at the three months before this vacation and say, yeah, I was at about 80%, then you can take a week off and eat whatever the hell you want. You know, you're not going to advance your progress, but you're certainly, and you'll probably gain five pounds of water, but your body will very quickly correct, you know, at the other side of this. And probably one of the most important things a coach and a client has to develop is, is always a bird's eye view of everything. On the one hand, you always want to just think about your next meal. I want to, you know, 
just think about my next meal. You know, I don't want to get too in the weeds of what I just ate. I want to make sure my next meal is the best it can be. Sure. But at the same time, you always keep a more of a big picture perspective because three days of bad eating won't destroy your diet. You know, it, it's 30 days of bad eating. It really is, I think, such a perspective shift around nutrition yeah. in general, especially the way in which we're led to believe it it should be, like you said, with the binary aspect of either like I'm all in or I'm all out. And instead is really helping people be okay mm -hmm. with living in the gray of it never going to be perfect and it doesn't have to mm -hmm. be perfect and it doesn't have to be complete dog shit. It's like you exactly. can't consistently make better decisions, own that process and let's teach you how to be realistic about it and how to ensure that you're actually what actual progress really looks like for you and your lifestyle and where maybe the trade-offs need to occur. That's where I think coaches really need to focus is is because when you get somebody who's on this path, okay, and they're not kind of used to it, maybe they don't particularly like it. They're following these diet strategies, or maybe they have a meal plan or whatever, you know, they're following it there's they're so they're so focused on their on their next meal and on their day-to-day -day that when something screws up it's a low-grade tragedy especially if they're very kind of type a people and they they expect to do a good job at things especially things they're paying to do and they have a couple of bad meals and they'll want to throw in the towel and i mean this this just happened to me again just today a guy emails me saying you know what you know i'm not, not losing weight on this this is you know i'm looking at my it's been three days and all this and i just literally just sent him a graph of his of his weight loss or, the last 60 days and it was just a you know yeah and at the very end there's a little blip you know because right. it was, you know it was memorial day you know so it's just teaching people to pull themselves out of, of being so hyper focused on right now and i know i sound like i'm contradicting myself on the one hand it's just thinking about your next meal and on the other hand it's evaluating from a 30 or 60 day perspective that is the the skill set to develop in someone someone who can just go oh fuck i blew that meal you know, and then just move on. And the next, well, that's, I mean, yeah. to be fair, that's almost the attitude that I think is warranted and, and necessary. It's like actually being okay with like, oh yeah, that just went to shit. And yeah, I can acknowledge exactly. like, okay, this probably was not a good yeah. set of circumstances that I just put, I was hungry and then I was around the wrong people. And then we went to this, this restaurant. It's like, it was exactly. a for disaster from the beginning. So, okay, or, now I can yeah. acknowledge yeah. that. Right. And reflect and be like, all right, well, so I guess I'll, I'll make a better decision next time, in which case, yeah. okay, on with my next meal. And, you know, it's funny, I was having exactly. a conversation with a, a couple of our coaches um, this morning, actually, and we were talking about diet breaks and we were talking yeah. about deloads, you know, so oh, diet breaks with, with nutrition and deloads with <laughs> yeah. training. And, yeah. and they're like, so when's the right time to... <clears throat> you know, plug in the diet break and, and same similarly, like, should, should I do the deload? And I'm like, you know, like, honestly, for our population, because we serve a very similar population, it's like, yeah. these really are things that end up taking care of themselves. Right? This very component is like someone invariably, like they're going to have the shitty weekend blowout. Okay. Diet break. You know what? You just had <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Yes. Right? And, and, and similarly, I, mean, I tried to interrupt you earlier, just similarly, like the vacation, well, what the hell? There's your deload. There's like the deload. Right. I've literally, I've had, especially younger guys, they'll email me. Well, I'm supposed to deload this week, but the following week, you know, I'm going to Jamaica for a week. You know, what should I, you know, should I try to find a gym in, in right. Montego Bay? I'm like, dude, why don't you just like 
train another week and deload while you're, you can do that. Like, like it, it's all these rules are so they're secondary to lifestyle. I mean, you, you weave it into your lifestyle and all of a sudden it all makes sense. Okay. So, so with respect to muscle gain, okay. as we get older, becomes exceedingly more challenging for all of the myriad of reasons that we've discussed, age, stress, responsibility, okay. sleep, joint health, time under the bar, all of that kind of stuff. So in, in your observation, in your experience, is it possible for, and, and what does the typical trajectory look like for men as we'll, we'll say men over 40 to actually put on appreciable muscle mass? How much more challenging does that actually become for us? Well, the biggest thing is their training age. You know, so again, if you got somebody, they've only farted around with body weight work and now they're 40, they're 40 years old. And they're like, I'm start pumping some iron. If they don't have those newbie gains, they're, those gains are still on the table. You know, they'll build a hell of a lot more muscle than I will. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing is the training age. Are they going to gain as much as a newbie at 15 or, or 17? Absolutely right. not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But again, there's a lot of genetic variants there. A genetic freak is a genetic freak at five and he is at 95. He's still a genetic freak. So if, so if you're a genetic freak and you've never lifted weights and you start at 40, there, it could be dramatic, dramatic. Now, just as if this, if this freak started at 17, would it be better? Of course. But I would think that the genetics is a greater factor than the age, certainly, until you start getting into you know, into the your 70s and stuff. I mean, listen, let's be real here. And the other thing is, how do you know if you're a genetic freak? Well, you just, you don't know until you start lifting. Right. So that's the ultimate scam online is, oh, I overcame bad genetics. Look how jacked I got, you know, like, dude, the fact that you put on so much muscle, that doesn't mean you overcame your genetics. It means you have great genetics. So yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Do, yeah. do you find that the rate of change that is generally slower or would you intentionally take it slower, perhaps for for all the reasons that we discussed, than perhaps someone no. that's younger? No, not at all. The only the only things that I would mitigate with someone who's older, and this is after the their lifestyle mitigates everything else. Like right. if the only it's rare that someone says to me, "Oh, I got all the time in the world to train, man," but I don't want to, you know, I don't want right. to be in here too much. It's always like I got three days max. So. This is already a little bit of a, of a different conversation, but if someone's got all the time and they're a little bit older, I would keep the workout shorter. I would um, keep the volume lower. And when I mean volume, I mean actual productive sets. Yeah. Warm-ups is not volume. And that's something that's pissing me off in our industry. People are, it's like, do your freaking warm-ups, do them well, and then do one or two very good actual work sets. And don't count your effing warm-ups or build-ups or whatever into your work sets, you know, and so, do warm ups though, and do them, you know, exactly. And do warm up sets. I don't mean just fucking rolling around on a ball. I mean, do warm up sets, fire your nervous system, like grease those neural pathways, and then, then do your actual work set. Anyway, I would probably, I wouldn't push the frequency, but, but that's something you could play with down the road. Yeah. Like maybe every five days, hit a muscle yeah. group. And I definitely, even though intensity is less of a overtrainer, then volume, I would not push. I would. I see no reason to go below six reps. And the older they get, maybe below eight reps. But everything else, really, it's just be avoiding the exercises that have a poor risk to reward ratio. Sure. Like, yeah. you know, not that a deadlift is risky, but I always ask myself, okay, why? I'm, why do you want to? 
Why do you want to fucking yeah. deadlift? <laughs> Why barbell deadlift? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, nothing wrong with the lift, but it, let's trap bar. Let's RDL. Yeah. Just things like that. And, you know, we all know the exercises that have, you know, higher risk attached to them. And, you know, frankly, the return on them is rarely worth it. So I'd be more mindful that way. But other than that, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's much more what you do outside of the gym. Like make sure they're resting enough, make sure they're hydrating, getting enough protein, getting enough sleep, managing stress. Those are the things where I'm like, okay, that's where I'm going to focus a lot more. Yeah, for sure. So what you're saying is uh, power snatches for every program. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah always um, reps, very high reps. So yeah. I'm curious, man, because I want to, I want to respect your time. So we'll wrap it up yeah. here pretty, yeah. pretty soon. Um, who have been your biggest influences uh, along the way? in, I guess, in, you know, the nutrition and fitness industry, or maybe even well, in general with respect to your career. Oh, I've been so blessed because, um, well, A, I've been doing this a long time and I've always had jobs where I, you know, write, especially with writing, I was always networking with really smart people, everyone from Charles Poliquin to John Meadows to Scott Abel to my first coach, Eric Ladine, who's still coaching and just I really have benefited that way. And every, and I've ne- nothing I, I come up with is stuff that I've invented. Um, it might be stuff that I put into an easier way or to process, but I've invented nothing. But the biggest teacher I've had has definitely been my son. Because it's mm. like, yeah, cause that kind of taught me, all of a sudden I'd be like, I'd just drop everything to do stuff with him. You know, and, and I'm like, I've, I've never missed more workouts than when, since he's been around and I know that doesn't sound hardcore, but, and it's not because I don't like working out or I'm too fucking lazy. It's just that he's comes first. So he comes first and then my training comes second. That used to actually give me a little bit of risk, a little bit of uh, stress in the early days. I'm like, fuck, I'm missing all these sessions. But now I've learned that that's how I'm supposed to be. That's how I should be wired. So my training should be built accordingly. My training should be fast and punchy and flexible. And my training should be Something I can get when I got 30 minutes when he's, you know, in a, in a little martial arts class, like something that I can bang out that way that I basically, I was the problem, not him. And when I kind of embraced that and I applied that to how I coach people and how I design programs, you know, it's, it's really, really, I feel really took off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, I think it speaks volumes to the type of clientele that you work with and the necessity for us to be empathetic to our clients' needs. Like we truly need yeah. to understand yeah. what it is that they go through. And that's why I think that there's such an art to the coaching process. You've been very, you know, explaining very well throughout the entirety of this conversation is it's just so much more, like we said from the very beginning, like it's so much more psychology than anything else. Yeah. It's not about like, yes, the science matters to a degree, but beyond managing for calories and macros and sets and reps, it's like, how do we actually realistically infuse this with the clientele? And that comes down to truly and genuinely the art of being able to effectively coach someone. And how can you effectively coach someone? Two two things. One is if you don't have experience actually doing it yourself. Mm -hmm. And two is, I think it speaks to the value of having had coaches yourself and seeing the value in coaches. I'm sure, I'm assuming you, you, you have and perhaps continue to have coaches in your yeah. life. And that has helped shape, you know, the trajectory of your career as well. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, I still do. The one thing I've also learned lately, and I, was, I wanted to touch on this is that 
it's got to be fun. Especially lately, there's been this whole, this whole anti-fun movement, like fitness should be, and I've said this too, is like, you know, it should be, if you're, you're not there to be entertained, you're there to get a yeah. result. And work, working out is about, you know, you've heard all these lines. For sure. You know, and, and that's why we should be tracking our workouts. You're not there to entertain yourself. Get in, get out. And all true, all true. But it's got to be fun. You got to make achieving progress fun. You got to make the process fun. And if that means doing some extra arm days for the, for the old meatheads, I mean, you do it because even if it's not the most productive fucking work, you know, and maybe dare I say it's keeping them in the gym too long. Like if it's fun, people will do it. They'll make it a part of their life. They won't dread, you know, they will dread doing it. It won't be the first thing that gets cut out when life gets busy and life always gets busy. Always. And, and it's a way that you can appreciate like what we do, because like I've learned that as I've gotten older, like all you do is have stuff taken away from you, you know, and all of a sudden you can't exercise at the same intensity. Like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, that actually, I just don't want to do that. You know, all of a sudden you just, you start to play like an athlete who plays scared, you know, yeah, it's not going to do that. You know, I can't do pull-ups anymore. Cause it just, it just wrecks my elbows. You know, that's just one thing. And I, but I like pull-ups, man. I liked like I fucking, I used to do weighted chins with 90 pounds. I like that. You know, I miss it. And if, if I would have known my last day, I could have done that. I would have been like, I would have kind of thanked the, you know, thanked the weight trading gods for this experience. Yeah. And that's how it is every year, a little taken away and we can do stuff to hang on to it, but it's still going to get taken away. So you've got to have fun and you got to appreciate it. Uh, lots of life lessons in the conversation and lots of life lessons in the journey, Brian. So listen, man, I, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with, with me and with our listeners for people wanting to connect with you through maybe website, maybe through coaching, through social media, where can people find out more about you? Well, my website is uh, briancron.com. Got it. B-R-Y-N-K-R-A-H-N.com. And that same Brian Cron is my Instagram handle. So if you guys are listening, one, thank you for taking the time to tune in, hopefully. And I'm confident this has provided a lot of value for you. It certainly has for me. And and two is go check Brian out on Instagram at Brian Cron. Uh, links will be in the show notes. Brian, dude, thank you so much. Appreciate you. And uh, we'll catch up again soon. Glad we can hook it up. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple. 